Please turn in your Bibles now for the message to 1 Peter chapter 1. Last Sunday we started an exciting series of messages from 1 Peter. So if you would turn there please. I want to share this, this story with you. A parishioner, none of you here of course would do this, but a parishioner in some church had dozed off to sleep during the morning service. At one point, the minister said in the sermon, he said, will all who want to go to heaven stand up now? Well, everyone stood up except the sleeping parishioner, one person who had fallen asleep. Well, after everyone else sat down, the pastor continued in his message, and he said, well, will all who want to go to the other place please stand? Somebody suddenly dropped a hymnal, and the sleepy man jumped to his feet and stood sheepishly facing the preacher. The uh, sleeping gentleman was kind of confused, and he mumbled, well, preacher, I don't know what we're voting for, but it looks like you and I are the only ones for it. Um, Pastor Lisa was a little bit slow in getting that one. <laughs> All right. Our theme is Powerful Principles from Peter. As we read and study this part of our Holy Bible written by Peter, we discover some very powerful truths or principles that can really impact your life and yours and mine and help us to be the kind of person God wants us to be. In uh, the first message in this series last week, I shared with you the following three very important truths. The first one, the first truth was this. You and I can put behind us our failures, mistakes, and sins and become the very best person we can be through the Lord's power. That is what happened with Peter. Peter was a man who had a lot of failures, mistakes, fumbles, sins, and you wondered if anything good could ever come from him or with him, and then we discover him becoming a solid, wonderful, dedicated follower of Jesus, and the Lord used him to write this first, well, this part of the Bible that is known as the first letter of Peter. So that was the first truth we focused on. The second truth that we discovered last week was this. You and I are messengers of Jesus Christ. The first verse there says that Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle essentially is a messenger, a messenger. And we challenged ourselves and asked ourselves, what kind of a messenger are you, am I, for Jesus and then thirdly, last week, we talked about how you and I have been chosen by God. We have been chosen by him. And you and I ought to feel very special, very significant, knowing that God has chosen us to be a part of his family. At the same time, I spoke of how while God chooses us, we have to choose him. 
you and I have to make a decision to repent of our sins, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, and say, Lord, I choose you. Amen? All right, now we come to today's message, part two. Part two. Let's just read chapter one, the first couple of verses once again. Here it is. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Well, my friends, I want you to focus on this specific truth with me today as we reflect upon what we just read. The first truth is this. God knows you and chose you. This truth obviously comes from the beginning of verse 2, which in the New Living Translation says, God the Father knew you and chose you. That is how the New Living Translation puts it. New Living Translation from the Greek and the Hebrew was translated in the 1990s, by the way. Some of the other translations also from the original Greek language say it a little bit differently. For example, if you have or you're using the New International Version, a translation which was done in the 1970s, by the way, it says that we have been chosen, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now the idea, the idea is God has known you and me for a very long time. He's known you and me from way back and he has chosen you and me to become a part of the Christian family. As I mentioned in last week's message, I made it clear that indeed God has chosen you and me. At the same time, you and I have to choose him. Have you chosen him? Have you made that decision to say, Lord, I choose you? Psalm 139, verses 13 through 17, yes. Psalm 139 tells of how David felt as he reflected upon the fact that God knew him and that God made him. Now here's what Psalm 139 says. It, 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 it's beautiful, beautiful. Listen to this, listen to this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. This is David praying to God. You made all, all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. But by the way, husbands, if sometimes you feel your wife is complex, but blame it on God in a good way. <laughs> anyway, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, says David. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that, isn't that marvelous? My friends, we live, obviously, in the greater Toronto area, which has a population of almost 6.5 million people. In our country of Canada in 2017, our population was almost 37 million people. The population on planet Earth is about 7.5 billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, billion people. Now it could be, it could be easy for you and me to feel insignificant, right? To feel like a nobody, but the Bible says God knows you. He knows you and you and you and you. He knows you folks up in the balcony. Radio listeners, the Bible says God knows you and he chose you to be a part of his team. Isn't that beautiful? Amen? Tommy Walker wrote the song, He Knows My Name. We sing it here sometimes. In, in which he captured some of the truth we're talking about. Here, here, here are the words from that song, He Knows My Name. The song says, I have a maker, he formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hands. I have a father, he calls me his own. He'll never leave me no matter where I go. He knows my name, he knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. Isn't that beautiful? He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. My friend, God knows you, and he chose you. And may that truth lift you up and encourage you. May it give you fresh wind Renewed, renewed hope, knowing that the Creator, God Almighty, on a planet of 7.5 billion people, God still sees you and knows you and chose you. Wow. Wow. It's a tremendous truth. Amen? All right. Let me take you to a second beautiful truth from these first couple of verses, and it is this. The Holy Spirit can make you and me holy. Here it is in verse 2. In verse 2 it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit, his Spirit has made you holy. Now, this is the New Living Translation of the Bible. The New International Version says, We have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, here it is, 
through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. To be holy is to be sanctified. To be sanctified is to be holy. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Nick, you're playing word games. No, I'm not. But we're going to unwrap this further as, as we proceed here. All right? All right? To be holy is to be sanctified, and to be sanctified is to be holy. And the question is, are you sanctified? Are you sanctified? Am I sanctified? What does, what does holy or sanctified mean? There, there are two essential parts to the meaning. All right? Holy or sanctified means set apart for God's use and purposes. That is a major part of the meaning of holy or sanctified. Set apart for God's use and purposes. That's what he wants from each one of us to truly be set aside, set apart, wholly committed for God's use and God's purposes. This is a very critical part of holiness. And it also means to be holy or sanctified also means being made inwardly pure, inwardly pure through the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me now? All right? To be made inwardly pure, cleansed through the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 15 in the Bible, verse 9, it says, He, God, cleansed the hearts, cleansed their hearts through faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, we read, But now, but now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 declares, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Titus, elsewhere in the Bible, chapter 2, verse 14, he, Jesus, gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, here it is, to cleanse us, to cleanse us, and to make us his own people, his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. That's what that verse says. Now, further, as we unpack what it means to be a holy person, those of you making notes, you can put A, a holy person wants to live in obedience to Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, all right? Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, and we'll see this. Verse 2 says, can you read it from the big screen? Read it with me, verse 2. Read it out loud. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit has made you holy as a result 
You have obeyed him. You have obeyed him. Stick with me. What are some of the ways in which we are to be obedient? He's saying, all right, if you're a holy person, then you have a desire to obey Jesus, to obey the Lord. What are some of the ways in which we are to be obedient? Well, he, he, he refers to some of the ways in different parts of 1 Peter here, and here are some of them. To begin with, don't slip back into your old ways. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says this, So you must live as God's obedient children. Here it is. Don't slip back into your old ways of, be, of, of living to satisfy your own desires. Okay? Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Well, what's he talking about? Well, was your old way, was your old way the way of boozing it up? Don't slip back. Johnny, Johnny Chanderpaul here would tell you that when he truly allowed the Lord to sanctify him, there was no turning back. Right, Johnny? No slipping back into the booze. No going back to the alcohol. Was your old way that, that of having many sexual partners, as many sexual partners as you could get? Don't slip back. Don't go back into that. That's what Peter is saying. Was your old way the way of lying? Was your old way the way of lying? One Sunday morning, a minister said to his congregation, he said, next Sunday, I plan to preach about the sin of lying. In preparation for my message, I want you all to read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 17. The following Sunday, the minister asked for a show of hands for those who had read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 17. Most hands went up. Most of the people put their hands up. The pastor smiled. He smiled and said, well, the Gospel of Mark has only 16 chapters. I will now proceed with my sermon on the sin of lying. <laughs> Don't slip back into lying. Was your old way that of stepping over as many people as you had to to get ahead, to get what you wanted? Don't slip back. That's not God's way. Was, was your old way... Well, we could add a whole bunch of other examples here, couldn't we? Was your old way this or was your old way that? As we read further in 1 Peter, we discover some other ways in which Peter says we should be obedient. Here's another one. Here's another one. Show sincere love. Show sincere love. 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 says, where is it here in my Bible? Here it is. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, 
So now you must show sincere love. You must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Isn't that beautiful? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Amen? Amen? Are you and I showing sincere love? That is God's way. That is God's expectation. That is what he wants from you and from me. And as Peter gets into chapter 2, Peter, Peter speaks of some other ways in which you and I need to be obedient. Here's another way. He says, get rid of all evil behavior. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, read it with me. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Raven, kindly leave that slide up there for, for a moment. All right? So first he says, get rid of all evil behavior. And then he mentions some examples. Right? He mentions some examples. One that he speaks of is deceit, deceit. What is deceit? Well, it is fraud. It is fraud, it's trickery, it's lying, uh, misleading someone. Are you deceitful in any way? Then he speaks of hypocrisy, hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Well, it is pretending, it is pretending to be what one is not. It is pretending to be what one is not. Here's a little example. Are you pretending? Are you pretending to be giving, for instance? Are you pretending to be giving tithes and offerings? Pretending to be giving to the mortgage fund when in reality you are not? That's hypocrisy. A manager, a manager and a friend of his were talking. The friend said to him, the friend said, John, John, why did you fire your secretary? John said, well, she couldn't spell. She kept asking me how to spell every other word while she took dictation. The friend then said, I suppose you couldn't stand the interruptions. Manager said, no, no, it wasn't that. I, I just didn't have time to look up all those words. <laughs> That's hypocrisy as well. It's also unfairness. What is jealousy? He sp speaks of jealousy. Jealousy. Well, I think we all know what that is. My friends, my friends, if you hear, <clears throat> if you hear that your relative or friend is going on a beautiful trip, don't be jealous. Rejoice with them. Rejoice with them. 
If someone you know is buying a new car or a new house, don't be jealous. Rejoice with them. Get excited with them. Inquire how it's going and just enjoy the journey with them. If someone you know has had something good happen to them, rejoice with them. Amen? Ah, some of you here know what it's like to, you know, have some wonderful things happening in your life and then feel like, well, you know, none of my relatives and none of my friends are really getting excited with me about this because they're jealous. And it hurts, right? The uh, verse there also mentions unkind speech at the end of uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Uh, get rid of all evil behavior, da, 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 and all unkind speech, unkind speech. What is unkind speech? By the way, speech is referring to words, to words that people speak, just so we're clear on that. What is the definition of unkind? All right, here is Google's definition of unkind. All right, here it is, unkind means inconsiderate and harsh to others, nasty, mean, cruel, vicious, spiteful, malicious, callous, unsympathetic, unfeeling, uncaring, Hurtful, hard-hearted, cold-hearted, not considering someone's feelings. Wow. I didn't know so much could be said about the word unkind. Did you? Pastor Lisa, I was so surprised. You know, I thought, let me just look up this word unkind. I mean, obviously I know what it is, but let me just look it up. Some of you get blessed by looking things up on Google, and I thought, let me look it up on Google and, and see what it says. And, and I thought, wow, there are so many ways to be unkind. Are you, uh, are you someone who uses unkind speech? I was looking at the list here in 1 Peter 2, 1, the list that you see on the big screen. I was looking at chapter 2, verse 1, and looking at deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech. And I asked myself, I asked myself, which one probably causes more hurt and more trouble in, uh, in families and in churches. I ask myself, which one probably causes the most problems? And the answer is, the answer is unkind speech. I probably should have taken a show of hands on that, but, but as a pastor for 37 years, that's what I have observed. Unkind speech causes more headaches than, than most other things. If, if you use unkind speech in your home or at work or at school or here at church, if you use unkind speech, my friend, stop it. 
That is not God's way. That's not God's way. That is not the holy way. That's not the holy way. Okay? 1 Peter 2, 1 says, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done. Be done with all unkind speech. Stop it. Smarten up. Pastor Lisa, can you just pat me on the back and say, wonderful preaching, Pastor Nick. Wonderful preaching, Pastor Nick. Okay. She doesn't want a five. She wants a 20. Okay. It's a good thing I had it on me. Her mother says that's bribery. Sometimes, sister, you gotta pay for your pats on the back. Okay, all right. By the way, is there anyone, is there anyone you need to go to to apologize to? Proverbs 16, verse 23 says, from a wise mind comes wise speech. Isn't that good? From a wise mind comes wise speech. On the subject, on the subject of the word speech, here's a little story in a different context, different context. Upon entering a room in a hotel, a woman recognized a well-known government official, and that government official was pacing up and down, and, um, and she asked, she asked what he was doing there. She said, what, what are you doing here? And he said, I, I'm going to deliver a speech. He said, I'm going to deliver a speech. Well, do, do you normally get very nervous before addressing a large audience? Nervous, he replied. No, no, I, I never get nervous. In that case, said the woman, what are you doing in the ladies' washroom? We've been talking about how a holy person wants to live to obey or live in obedience to Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 also reminds us of the following, point B. A holy person has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is stated in the second half of verse 2. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how the New Living Translation puts it. Then the New International Version says, it says, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and, and sprinkling by his blood. Now, I'm referring to this translation because I know that several of the translations have this 
this statement of sprinkling by his blood. And some of you would be thinking, man, why, what does that mean? Why, why does it say sprinkling by his blood? What does that phrase, sprinkling by his blood, convey? Here it is. In the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 to 7, tells us that when a leper, when a leper had been healed, he was sprinkled with the blood of a bird. It's something they did. Sprinkling with blood was a symbol of cleansing. And it was a way by which the priest declared that the person was healed. And the, the once upon a time leper was now free to join the community and not be ostracized any longer. My friends, by the sacrifice of Christ, the Christian is cleansed from sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. May you and I pray with David this prayer, or these prayers. May we pray, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Psalm 51, verse 7. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Psalm 51, verse 10. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. Psalm 86, verse 11. My friends, today I've shared with you these two main truths. Number one, God knows you and chose you. Be encouraged by that great news. And secondly, the Holy Spirit can make you and me holy. Amen? When you and I, when you and I truly get a grip of this truth, that God knows you and chose you, and that the Holy Spirit can make us holy, then more and more we can sing a hymn like, it is well with my soul, and say, yes, Lord, it is well, it is well with my soul, for more reasons than one. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are indeed thankful for the privilege that is ours of knowing that you, you know us, you know us, you love us, and you chose us. And I pray that you would encourage each one of us through that marvelous truth. And Lord, we want to allow your Holy Spirit to make us holy, to make us holy. And so, Lord, like David, we say and we pray, create in me a clean heart, O God, Purify, purify me, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.